and, and that's how I felt for a while. And then I, and I saw the path in front of me. And then at some point, I just started to feel like I couldn't really make, I, could, I saw the sort of glass ceiling for my impact. Welcome to Beyond Aesthetics, a podcast about art and design from the Fountain Institute. In this podcast, we explore how to think like an artist and how to think like a designer. Our hope here is to help working creatives have more impact in their careers. We are the co-founders of the Fountain Institute, and we are an education company based in Berlin. Today, we have a lot to talk about. Last week, we discussed my path from artist to designer to founder. And this week, we're going to dive into Jeff's path from graphic designer to UX designer to founder. I'm Jeff Humble, and I'm a UX designer. I'm Hannah Baker, and I'm a designer. Let's get started. I think from the beginning, my my path towards becoming a designer is kind of similar. Like the reasons I became a designer, not something else in the art and design department at my university, is similar to why I'm, I'm wanting to do, you know, be a founder now. Mm-hmm. Is I think from the beginning, I was like really, as a kid, I was really into the idea of architecture. But I would look up to an architect. I would look up to someone who was creating something. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, almost in the sense like of a, like a, I guess like game designers, like VR, like lots of people do this, they, they create a virtual world. And I always thought that was super interesting that, that they're bringing the virtual world into the real world. And it's been around for a long time, so it's respected. I wanted to be an architect, so I thought at university I was going to become an architect. And then my school didn't have an architect major, and okay. I was kind of committed to that school um, through like scholarship reasons and, and kind of outside things. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do prerequisites for architecture. Like I'll try and get a master's in architecture later. So I okay. took like calculus and I took like geometry classes and I took some graphic design classes and I was like, okay, like for my bachelor's, I'm going to get like graphic design. And then for my master's, I'm going to get architecture because you can sort of pivot and I'm not certain I want to jump into that anyway. So it's perfect. I'll do graphic design for now. And I really liked the graphic design courses, but I took a graphic design course my first year and hated it and fell asleep in it. <laughs> Just a testament of like what a good teacher can do. Mm-hmm. And then luckily at my school, we got an interim teacher because like it was a small school in Arkansas, a small town, and his mom was in bad health. So he's like a star teacher, but he moved back for a bit. So it was really lucky that we had access to this guy. So this guy was, was super inspiring. And the way he taught was like, it made me fall in love with graphic design. Um, David Bilo, he's awesome. And I feel like it was lucky. And I, and I like had been yeah. undecided as a major. I tried like four different majors, physics, philosophy, all these things that just were like, yeah, this is kind of interesting. And this is kind of the theme of my life. Like, that's kind of interesting. I want to do that. But then you, you got to like actually, you know, enjoy doing the actual work. And graphic design was, was good for me. And I liked that it was practical. Similar to the architect, it was like, this is a creative field where you're not just like creating a brief yourself. There's like, problems and challenges out in the world and mm. use these these skills and tools to, to, to solve them and I like the problem solving I love geometry as a kid so and then when I graduated same as you same year as you um, 2009 I mean it was the, the the recession hit the world in 2008 2009 and I was like also I, so I, I was hearing that people were graduating from architecture school that year and not finding jobs not mm. finding work so I was like okay well doesn't really seem like I should go to to grad school for architecture or if I should I should be really sure um, and I was about to go to law school just because everyone I knew was going to law school and it was like this seems like and I really liked uh, two lawyers in my life like a professor was a lawyer I liked um, and my boss I worked at a bank in, in university mm-hmm. the CEO was a lawyer and they both kind of had stories of like yeah I didn't know what to do so I went to law school and they got these great jobs these great gigs and I was like okay that seems like a good in-between kind of thing to do so I was like 
you know, I, I don't really want to be a lawyer, but practicing for the, studying for the LSAT was fun, so I, and I enjoyed it. So I was like, this problem solving thing was interesting <laughs> God, to me. You're so weird. Yeah, I don't know why it was fun about that to me, but yeah, that's I was like, cool. okay, well, if I enjoy studying for the LSAT, then I would probably enjoy Do, doing well, yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. the practice. Uh, but it just didn't really sit right with me. I didn't want to be a lawyer, and I knew I'd probably hate all the people that was around because mm-hmm. I wanted to be, I, you know, I was considering a creative career. And then I like had signed up for the school and had my schedule and I and I like canceled and. So you signed up for grad school. Yeah, I had like a, a full paid ride to law law school in Arkansas, which wasn't the best school or anything, but it was like was available. This, this was directly after grad school. Yeah. Or undergrad. After undergrad, yeah. So you wouldn't have taken any time off. You would have gone straight from one to the other. Okay. There was there was a lot of pressure. Um, I think just maybe in Arkansas, it's a small state, and anyone who's doing anything was like. Graduating and going to master's and it was sort of a pressure at my school to like don't okay. jump straight into that. Yep. So a lot of my friends were doing it. I was kind of caught up in that. And then I decided to move to Austin, Texas and just pursue, pursue the creative things. Um, ended up taking a little bit of a break, doing some freelance design. Basically, at university, I learned Illustrator and Elements and Principles of Design. I didn't learn how to become a, a UX, UI product designer like I, you know, I did after. So eventually, I got into UX, UI, and product design through doing freelance stuff, like band posters for my friends. And basically I had to learn Photoshop. I had to learn yeah. digital design. In school it was all print design because it wasn't like a very like modern program. It's a bit weird that you graduate in 2009 and you didn't do a single web design thing. It was like posters and it was like, all the things I learned after, after university was like on my own using, using YouTube, learning mm-hmm. Photoshop learning web design eventually and then getting an internship at a tech company. Yeah. And I think from the internship at tech company, it was kind of like, okay, this, the startup thing isn't super intimidating. It's a bunch of, you know, people hanging out in a small space working on a problem. Like, this is fun. I like this. Like I was at a small university, you know, a small startup when I first got my, my first real job, professional job. And I was like doing visual design slash UI design, depending on the complexity of the project. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt pretty prepared when I got into the job by my background because I could, I could look at a thing on Photoshop and know, is this good to go? Or do I need to work on this more? Or, you know, like, is there too many fonts here? Are the yeah. colors wrong? Like, I, I learned enough of that, I think, in university. And then on my own, basically, I learned the tools that I would be using. Okay. So I kind of had the, like, foundation, theoretic, theoretical stuff in university. And then I learned the tools of digital design afterwards. It sounds like in your university and like uh, formal education time that um, a mentor or like somebody or a teacher was like really influential in like the path that you were taking forward. Do you feel the same way um, that within like uh, when you started in the workforce and like in your first like time there? Yeah, I mean, the, I think I got pretty lucky so I, I like answered a Craigslist ad for a design internship and it turned out to be like a design intern working as basically the sole designer under a creative director who'd been at Frog Design for 12 years and as a design manager at Frog Design. So like he, he was, you know, the top of the top in, in Austin, Texas. And I luckily was the only one working under him. And that, that was like a huge break, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. And when I applied there, he was like, oh, well, you've got some typographic sensibilities, but the only reason I got the job is because I put my portfolio on an iPad and I showed it to him mm. like it was an app. And he was like, oh, you're thinking through these kind of things and yeah. like got the job the next day, you know, and they, he just needed help. You know, he's like, <laughs> I need someone to like knock out sort of um, 
one page static views of what we could do as a company. Like, so it was, it was very like conceptual. So like working there, I went from conceptual designs to use for the sales team, all the way to like productize products that we sell white label to Coca-Cola and Pepsi, you know, like yeah. working a bit like agency style. So I almost got the agency experience, but everything we sold to the agency kind of model, we eventually had to sell as like a software template. So if they bought something and, and it sold a lot, we turned it into a template, it was a product and they use it mm -hmm. as a subscription, so. But it sounds like in maybe a similar way to what I was talking about with the um, museum world is that it was important or influ like, sorry if you can hear the dog drinking water right now, um, is uh, being in a smaller community actually gave you like access to seeing different fields and different processes. Um, yeah. In, like, I wasn't, I wasn't stuck correct? doing, I wasn't stuck making, making visual assets for the sales team. Mm -hmm. When they sold those things, I was also put on the project mm -hmm. and I actually designed the thing for the, for the yeah. client. Like, you know, and then I actually, after, after we designed it a couple times for the client, I was also in charge of turning it into a product. So it basically went, it run, runs the gamut of the design. So like you starting off in your kind of like workforce career in the design world was also like in an, in a a startup that ended up like doing well and so you were able to really see like the processes and the different like um ways that it could go yeah how it goes from zero to a, a yeah. product we sell over and over so i i started off doing in a sense visual design mm -hmm. it's like almost like a snapshot of what we could make into more interaction ux ui design okay so it's kind of like the sales team would go into a meeting selling our software and they needed to show off what it could do. So I would be the one like bringing it to life, even though it wasn't really real. And then if they sold it, I would bring it to life and I would actually make it into a project. It would be kind of like web design. Mm -hmm. It's pretty simple, but if it got more complicated, it'd be more like UI design. Okay. So I slowly got to work into more complex and complex things. So and you're really able to see like the field and where the different like options and, and ways of like um, building um, a company from. Yeah. In the design sense. Yeah, because in the product sense. The company started by the ability to like filter social media content almost uh, and, and, and search through it almost like maybe Google would. Mm -hmm. So it was like a, a search engine for social media. Yeah. So we're like, okay, what can we do with that? And the idea would be sell it to, to companies who want to do like a uh, maybe a, a website where they gather all their social media into like a cool interactive experience. Okay. So like no one really knew what that was. So we kind of had to do it and show so they could sell it. So then people bought it and we ended up building it and we did, you know, we, maybe we built the same thing five times. So like, okay, that's our product. We built this for five different clients. Let's make it into a white label mm -hmm. um, and make it into a, a, like a template that they can customize themselves and then they can pay a subscription for. Okay. So it went from like the, the typical agency model of a lot of design companies to the software as services okay. model. Yeah. Like the startup model that a lot of companies have. Okay, so then, so you did the design um, you start off in the design uh, education and getting um, your bachelor's in that and then um, finding this great kind of startup that you were really able to see the design process but also the startup process and having seeing somebody build a company almost from yeah. the beginning. Well, I, I guess the thing that was nice about that is when I joined, there was 15 people mm -hmm. and we were sitting in a tiny office and outside of Austin, Texas and like, you know, outside the city limits. And then when I left after six years as a product designer, 
working on the product team, prioritizing the things that we pitched when I first started, there was like 600 people with offices in Sydney, London, all over the world. And mm-hmm. it was a very successful company. We had merged with another company that was even more on the software as a service um, um, subscription kind of model, the SaaS model, so that we had this sort of like recurring revenue that was like dependable, which made us a really good startup, right? Mm-hmm. So that was, the, that was the success. But then if I remember correctly and thinking about, is that like you, there was something more you wanted though from that? And there was something that you were like trying, you wanted to like gain more um, experience outside of that. I really wanted to do more UX design work. Okay. So I was able to do some UX design work. My title was product designer mm-hmm. because I could do, I did a lot of UI and I did as much UX as I could possibly manage because there weren't necessarily a lot of projects for that. They didn't allow, they didn't let us talk to the users. So I didn't really get to know who was using the thing I was designing. Okay. So it's frustrating. Um, but I was doing a lot of reading and writing about UX design, and I wanted to do more of that in my career. Um, and I wanted to travel. I wanted to get out of Austin, Texas, because it's really not that far from where I was born in Houston and where I grew up in Arkansas. So I was like, I'd like to get out of here and try different things. And then an opportunity came to work in Berlin doing UX design for an education company. And then I also am curious, like, had this point in your life and in career thought about ever... Uh, founding your own company or starting your own company? Had that been a thought at this point in your life yet? There were some people that I knew growing up in a, in a very, very tiny town who said things that were a bit like, you're not stupid. Like, looking back, it's like, you're not stupid. Maybe you should have a company. And they, okay. might have, they said really nice things, but I kind of took that like, oh, maybe, maybe if you keep on this path of like, I don't know, it's a small town with a lot of very, very poor people. So it's like, basically, if you're not screwing up, maybe you can have a company one day. And so I kind of had that in the back of my mind. It was like a positive affirmation for this Mm -hmm. one lady that was really, really friendly, really nice. I worked for her for a bit. So I had this like, oh yeah, maybe that sort of thing would be interesting. And then the CEO of the bank I worked at also kind of mentored me a little bit. The the head of the business school, and I wasn't even a business student, Mm -hmm. had a couple meetings with me. I was friends with him. He also kind of I think put that bug in my my ear and that was in undergrad an undergrad and then the first job that i had the ceo was a very like charismatic interesting person and i I just i thought it was interesting what he did i didn't necessarily think oh i can do that i was just like oh yeah i like that's cool i understand that role i understand what a ceo does because it was small company Mm -hmm. i really got to see the day-to-day what he was doing it's 15 people so i knew when he came in from a business trip and was tired and didn't want to speak like i I got to see like day-to-day what that was like so I was like, okay, then he's a, he wasn't the founder. There was two developer founders and I was really good friends with them at the company mm-hmm. and they were sort of behind the scenes founders and I, like they're still like one of the most influential people in my life. They're super smart, super kind um, and I just talked to them a lot about it. Okay. So like everyone like I knew. about the experience yeah. and about the process and stuff like that? I had nothing but good, good experiences when I talked to people who founded things. Okay. So. Do you feel like you remember a specific time or moment of like when you were like, I want to start my own company? Like, had that been a thought for you? Still wasn't a thought. Yeah, like this is the thing we said at the very beginning, like hindsight's twenty twenty. We're trying to connect our path to yeah. to being a founder um, today um, with the warning that like it's easier to do it from the past. You know, humans are yeah. good at, at finding the like sort of convergent right. thinking. For sure. But I, I think I didn't, the, the, the first time I thought, oh, I'd be interested in, in founding a company is 
when I moved to Berlin and worked for Career Foundry, okay. it was the, there was two founders there, and that seemed to work really well, actually, you know, the co-founder thing. So it was also kind of like co-founders better than founder. Um, and there was co-founders at Spreadfast, where I worked in Austin. Um, so I was, I was like, yeah, the co-founder thing's interesting. And then in, at Career Foundry, it was their first company. Okay. So I got to see them go through the whole process. Mm-hmm. At, at Spreadfast slash Fast Relevance, which is two different names, it was Sam Decker's like fifth company he was successful at, so I got to see it. Okay. He was he was he hadn't started his own company necessarily, but he was a pro. And then he'd I been saw, through the process yeah. multiple times. He was like head of marketing and starting ventures within. So okay. And then I saw, saw people at Career Foundry start it from scratch. So I was like, okay, like I learned while they learned in mm-hmm. a sense. And then I think the big thing was I solved problems, uh, customer problems there that we couldn't solve. Like we didn't have enough bandwidth or resources to solve certain problems and then I was like oh maybe you know we could, I could found a company that does solve those problems mm-hmm. and or you know other problems or you know things that I would see in just daily life I started to think like oh you know after after and working at Career Foundry for four years um, learning how to manage and like learning what C-level people do what the heads of do and mm-hmm. learning from the business team the marketing team the product team it's like okay I think after a certain point I'd like to start try doing some of those things yeah. instead of just learning about them. Okay, so it was. It sounds like from what you're saying is that like it maybe wasn't until um, your experience in the last uh, four years that you really felt like you had sometime in that period was like your first instinct to really want to try and start something yourself or to start thinking about it or like moving toward like the the idea of. Like, I could do this one day was like a thought. There's a there's a there's a sort of fork that happens with designers. Like okay, this is something. Tell me about I'm, it. I'm not really explaining. I think really what it is is that you have the path towards I can be an individual contributor, um, mm-hmm. or I can be a manager. Mm-hmm. And up until recently, the only seemingly like you know step up was to become a manager. Like because companies were very like. Uh, it's just kind of an old school way of thinking that, you know, you become a manager when you're really good. But actually, if you want to become really good and specialized, become a manager doesn't really make a lot of sense. But I've always just been more of a generalist. I wanted to try everything. So I went the path of becoming like the manager path. Okay. And not really by choice. It just sort of happened. But I really enjoyed that path and learning from it. So I was like, okay, um, with, a, with a designer, those are the seemingly only two, two paths. You either become really specialize and good at one thing and right. maybe you can become like freelancer an expert in something expert, yeah. And, yeah but the other is that you're like a manager and you help manage others um, but I really liked from the beginning from my first first job in Austin I really liked working with people who were a bit younger than me because I didn't have really anyone to help me through my career no one in my family did mm-hmm. creative things besides like music but nothing in the design field nothing in the business field like I didn't have any like family friend um, just my mom was really good about having conversations um, with other people to try and help, but I didn't have a lot of guidance. So it, it was interesting to me just to hear like the different, different paths. And I think management or IC path seemingly is the only way, but then in the past four years, designers have started to found companies as well. So I think mm-hmm. hearing about those like stories, Airbnbs, yeah, Airbnb, Pinterest. Uh, yeah, exactly. Just hearing about those stories was... was so it was almost like the idea that, like... You, tell me if I'm wrong. Is that, like... It was almost like that's... It wasn't even an option in your mind. Or, like, it couldn't... Like, you didn't you didn't know it was an option. 
I didn't know it was an option, and, and I thought the path was, yeah, so here's, here's what I thought until a certain point. I don't know, I thought that I would move up to mm-hmm. um, my title now as head of design. Yeah. Beyond that, it's like you're, I guess, director of product or something. You kind of have yeah. to switch. You can't stay a designer. And, okay. and, and, then, and then recently there's a chief design officer. So I was like, okay, cool. Maybe that's the only option, chief design officer. That's, that's as far up as you can go. And that's like really working with C-level, you know, the highest of the, the, the company people to mm-hmm. bring the design perspective there and yeah. kind of bridge the business with the design. So like, that's the only thing I knew of. And then you started to hear about people who founded companies. I think that the sort of wave of people who just were like, well, I'm just going to found a company instead of working for a company. Mm-hmm. That's the past five years. And I think that that was starting to happen. I was starting to read about that more. Yeah. I have a poster I saved from 10 years ago that said like, blank. it was like all the design roles and they're all crossed out and it said founder of. And I saved that for some reason. Yeah. I remember when okay. I saved That's, that. Do you still have it now? I still have it. Like I still like use it as an example. It was like an advertisement for a conference. Okay. And I remember like that's the first time I was like, oh, like I don't have to work within this set hierarchy to move up the ladder. Okay, I think that's a really interesting point because I think like I feel very similar to that, which is like interesting because before we started recording this, we were talking about how opposite our not how opposite our paths were, but like there was like we thought it'd be interesting the differences. Yeah, but like after you saying that, like I think that I feel very similar that like in a sense of like I didn't know that like being a founder was an option. Yeah. Like at, like for me it was like I, I, I thought I was going to work in this, like, um, I say service industry, not in, like, um, service industry and restaurant, but service industry in the sense of, like, education as a service. Like, so I thought I'd be in museums and I thought, or, like, in working with community centers or something like that. And The instructor, kind of. Yeah, like, instructor, or, like, maybe I'd be, like, running a program or something like that. But, like, the idea of, like, starting a program or, like starting an organization just like in, for some reason didn't feel like an option for me um and so it wasn't until i did freelancing that it made me realize like no like i can just start my own thing i don't need permission from somebody else to do it i can just do it yeah that, that was a slower thing for me than you i think because if you told me like to freelance i'd be like oh i'm not sure i really want to deal with all the like extra stuff Mm -hmm. like the taxes finding clients that just to me felt like startup time that I would lose where I could just jump into my job you know every day I can depend on like coming in drinking coffee and waking up a bit as I read my messages and like it's dependable and easier right to like manage and I can push myself towards like trying new methods and like all these kind of things and and that's how I felt for a while and then I, I saw the path in front of me and then at some point I just started to feel like I couldn't really make I could I saw the sort of glass ceiling for my impact, you mm-hmm. know, like how much I, more can I do? Yeah. I mean, I think that's also really interesting because I felt the same way in like the, um, in the museum and the, what I've been calling like service world is like, I felt like there wasn't this glass ceiling for impact and like I wouldn't, I wasn't able to really do the things I wanted to do. And then you, if, if you work for a startup, um, especially one where there's new founders or especially one where they're very, it's very small, there's just a very thin layer of hierarchy. So, mm-hmm. so you don't really look at it as like, well, I'll never get past because you because they're just people like you, and then you hang out with them after work. You go for drinks and mm. you play ping pong with them. So you, okay. you don't really like. I play ping pong with the CEO, yeah, and he's just a regular guy, right? And that makes you go, oh, well, maybe that could be me, you know. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. That, that light didn't really switch on until like it started happening in the design world, and I started to to feel like 
there's there's things I could do. Like um, there's maybe a problem we're having. Like at Career Foundry, we're taking people from zero design experience to working designers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's successful with some people, sometimes less successful with others. It really depends on the person. And then when they get done and they get in their career, there's all kinds of other problems that they were kind of looking at a lot of these problems at the Fountain Institute. And I just remember, you know, thinking, oh, that's a, that's a really cool thing. I wish we could do more, like, I was always like, I wish we could do more, like, B2B workshops. Mm. Um, but we just didn't have the resources. Yeah. People were interested sometimes, and I had the opportunity to do a few, but there just wasn't, there wasn't enough time. The company had to focus, right? Yeah. The company, like, in a, in a smart way said, our strategy is just to focus on this. So anytime other problems came along, we didn't do anything with them, you know? Because, I mean you do have to also be a business person at a certain point and you can't fix and solve all the problems yeah. out there. So like strategy it, is like deciding what you're not going to do as well. Yeah. Do. Because if you do, yeah. then like you're just going to fail and then you're not going to help anyone. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you do have to kind of like see what the need is and then move forward to it. Another thing that really helped me feel like I could do the founding thing okay. is yeah. taking the, um, this designers MBA course. Um, it's a it's a guy in Berlin, um, Alan, and his company is called Beyond Users, and my my founder, um, my uh, CEO uh, Raf from Career Foundry, she was really good about being like, not just like, hey, you should try this. She'd just be like, hey, you're doing this. <laughs> she did that like several times. She like said, hey, you're speaking in front of these people, and I, I was interested in speaking, but I was a bit shy about it. And she was like, you're doing that, and then I did it, and because I had to, and it, and it worked. Mm-hmm. And the one thing she was saying is, oh, I'm talking to this guy who has this course on business and you seem interested in that you should take it and I was like okay and I did and after the end of that course I was like oh, this stuff really switches me on like it was a way to try it out you yeah. know we were doing like blue ocean strategy we were doing like um, you know pricing models um, kind of like thinking about like marketing funnels and all this stuff and I was like okay I like this work so that was the first time I was like able to try it on and after that I felt really confident that I enjoyed that work and was way more motivated by that work than anything that was around like product design. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how did you then jump into this idea of um, that what the fountain is working on is something that you would want to focus on and, and start that process of moving into a founder's role? I think once you get into education and you like it, there's almost no giving up. Like once you see really the li- interesting, yeah. When, when you see the light bulb come on, yeah. when when people go from like, I, I I like this, I like that, I like this, I like that, to like, oh yeah, that I'm 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 a designer or you know I'm I'm mm-hmm. whatever role. Like this happened to me at Spreadfast in Austin. Like one one day I went, I was working really late as I tended to do. I went to get a beer at the front in the kitchen, and they were having a UT day like a preview. So there was a bunch of like okay. advertising major students coming in. And there's this one guy, um, Adam Zeiner, um, he was there and yeah, he was like hanging out and he was just like, so, so what do you do here? You know? And like, I just got along with him and I was just telling him what I did in design. He was like, yeah, I'm more interested in design, but I'm in advertising. And we just ended up like hanging out and, and, and hitting it off. And then he started working there and I still like, he's, he's working at the UT medical, I think it's the medical program there. Um, but like, you know, he went into product design and actually now getting toward like systems design, strategic design. And it was just really, really nice for me to feel like, oh, like I can connect the dots between what you're doing and, and what I'm doing. It's super easy to be like, hey, here's what I do. Is that mm-hmm. interesting to you? Yeah. That, that's the, probably the simplest level of education that people can get. Like they, 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 you, you could call that a mentorship, but really it's just kind of like, yeah, here's what I do. Is that interesting to you? 
like that alone was was rewarding so i was like okay like there's other people like me like i didn't have that i just sort of had to bubble mm. my way through yeah. a bunch of like choose your own adventure situations it's some person who i looked up to could be like yeah so i do this and i'd be like hmm i like how you do that it, it gets it vibes with my philosophy that would have helped me a lot yeah and i think that's it's a really interesting um like segue or like wrap up of like where we're talking about moving forward and like what we're thinking about um why we got into being founders but also like where we're moving forward with is like this idea of mentorship or like having somebody like it being really important in our paths of like having somebody who like supports us and encourages us and wants us to move in certain areas but then being on the opposite side of it and being able to provide that for someone else was almost like enough and like like uh, empowering enough for us to like want to then move into I mean not that it's the sole reason of moving into foundership but like it, it definitely like the fact that we're able to do that with the product that we're building because we're choosing what we're building is like is um, for me really satisfying and, yeah. and and worth the risk and the like craziness of starting a company. If you think about like product market fit, like that's I, I could kind of like describe what's what's good about certain ideas is like the market is that like a lot of people are going through this. A lot of people need a bit of direction they need to understand a career path they need like a development plan and, and the product is that like i enjoy the mentoring parts and i enjoy the coaching parts or i enjoy mm-hmm. looking for new ideas or i enjoy like trying to find problems to solve so like i think that eventually you can you'll find the product market fit for something that works but if you're interested in finding the product and you're interested in the market itself then i think <clears> you can kind of come up with yeah. something. as a very early days i think it's like okay that's enough to be like i want to be a founder and maybe I'm like um, biased, but I think that creative founders are more. Um, I think they're more. Uh, that fits with them more. Well, you're like, conceptualizing, you know. Yeah, early like on. I, like it's not a lot of times or other people I can think about like the creative founder is more about pushing the concept or pushing the idea and wanting to do that with the business versus just the wanting to start a business to start a business itself. Yeah. I mean, like your background, I'm sure it's really easy for you to take in a bunch of inputs and be like, I can sort of conceptualize a business that does this. You can kind of like imagine it much mm-hmm. more easily. And also, I if I wanted to, I could make it seem real. I could do a website and a, an app, <laughs> yeah, you know, I could like exactly. mock it all up to where it could seem real. I could pitch it to somebody, like an investor or something. So there's a lot of practical things that make being a founder easier if you have artistic or design backgrounds. Mm-hmm. If, if this sparks an interest in you, if... If this is something that, that, that maybe you see a, a little bit of you in some of our experience, or you, you maybe you're now thinking that you know, your, your experience makes more sense from the founder perspective, um, maybe you could send us an email at hello at thefoundsminstitute.com. Hope you enjoyed this episode. In future episodes, we'll be bringing you more creative career paths from junior designers and product design and branding to design leaders in art direction and product innovation. We are an education company working in today's startup world, so we're going to be bringing you methods and mindsets from the most talented creatives in the field. We'd also like to say a huge thanks to Mr. Tobias Humble for the music featured in this podcast. See you next time.